0: Hello and welcome to The Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny, and I'm part of the teaching team here at The Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching, directed by God, that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. What happens one second after you die? It's probably a question that none of us would particularly enjoy thinking about. Most people probably don't think all that much about eternity. When we do, let's be honest, we tend to only spend time thinking about the good place. There's something perhaps off-putting about the unknown, of what lies beyond the veil, what's behind the door, what is it that determines what comes next? Is it the same place for everyone or else a choice? Is it affected by what happens on Earth like some cosmic test? Will there be clouds or fire or simply nothing at all? What if I told you that there was something more to this life than just this life? Hey, welcome back to our series, Mentioning the Unmentionable. If you're joining us for the first time in a little while, uh, we're in part two of a three week series and we are so glad that you are here with us today. I just want to invite you to stick around. If you missed last week, I really want to encourage you after this uh, to check out week one online on forgechurch.com or on YouTube where we kicked off the series. Hey, it's true, isn't it, that in today's culture you can find someone to say something about almost anything. Whether it be politics, sex, addiction, you don't have to go onto the TV for very long before someone is willing to mention something about one of the most uncomfortable topics on Earth. That is apart from what happens after life death. But in this series we're mentioning the unmentionable, looking at how our lives are influenced by death. And so last week we reminded ourselves that statistically 100% of people who live die and yet despite it affecting everybody nobody likes to talk about it. Perhaps more surprisingly is that a study found in the UK that while 70% of people fear death, most people also believe that if there is a heaven they're going to end up there. Maybe you can spot the problem there a little bit. What we discovered though, really, and this could be true for you, is that most people don't know, hope for the best, and in the meantime, just try to avoid thinking about it. And if you relate to that, thank you again for being brave enough uh, in joining us today. Most people don't know, hope for the best, and in the meantime, try to avoid thinking about death. What we found though was that you don't have to just hope for the best, you can actually have confidence in the best because the one person in history who died and came back from death uh, and perhaps you're a little bit sceptical of that and I'm really glad that you're here today, the one person who there have been eyewitness accounts of dying and rising again said that you don't need to hope anymore you don't need to worry anymore, you don't need to live with a am I in or am I out or is there anything at all mentality because Jesus offered something, Jesus through his death took the uncertainty away and offered a confidence through a gift of grace and if you remember we said that part of the reason that this is so significant is that what you believe about eternity will determine how you live today if you believe that you're here today by accident and there's nothing beyond this life, this life becomes somewhat a limited personal resource. Or if you believe that there is something more, but everyone goes there and, uh, and you don't need to worry or you don't need to try, then your life perhaps might look a little bit reckless. Or if you believe that there is something and what you do now affects what happens afterwards, your life might be a little bit uncertain or scary. Uh, but none of those is what jesus who died and rose again actually says is the case for jesus whilst you are rewarded for the good that you do you are accepted not because of what you're able to do but because of what jesus already did and so to conclude the recap if you remember i asked this question and what i asked was this what would you say you believe about eternity and does that reflect how you live on earth So whilst you consider that, I want to hone in today specifically on what Christians really believe about eternity. And if I could be so bold, how what Jesus taught is actually the best thing to believe about eternity. What really happens one minute after you die? And what does the answer say about who God really is? Now, you might not be a Christian today, and I'm so glad that you're watching here today and that you're curious, because I believe that this Sunday is for you. Uh, Others of you are Christians, and you're maybe thinking, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to believe about eternity. And and that's okay too. Today's going to be for you as well. Uh, In fact, I'm just going to say, if you consider yourself someone who someday in their life thinks that they might one day die, uh, this Sunday is for you. And there's going to be some great things for you to consider because it might just be that you think you know what Christians believe about eternity. In fact, if you're not a Jesus follower, this is what I'm going to guess that you believe that Christians believe about eternity. Now, I might not be 100% right here, uh, but this is what I'm going to say, and this is what I'm going to guess that you believe that Christians believe. That there is this earth, and that you get born here, or this is where your life exists and life starts, and then you live your life on this line, and when the curtains close, depending on how much time you spend on each part of this line, either through your actions or through your beliefs, you will either end up in a good place, or you will end up in a bad place. And maybe right now you are a Christian and you're thinking well that really does look a lot like what I believe And if that's you that's okay chances are you've probably been let down by Sunday school material that was great for Sunday school But was never really developed for an adult belief Here's the thing most of us actually don't mind this part of the story The thing that we have trouble with in fact the thing that maybe has caused you to walk away from faith before Or change what you believe or or even dismiss God altogether wasn't this part of the story Uh, It was the idea of this place, Uh, because maybe you've said this, what kind of God would send people to a place like that? The most unmentionable part when it comes to the most unmentionable topic on earth is this place here. In fact, it's so unmentionable that in culture, the use of this word has almost exclusively become a swear word, the bad place, the other place, hell. There is a reason that whenever you go to a funeral, that this word is never mentioned. There is a reason that you were once maybe uh, put off church before because of this word. There is a reason that there is a backlog of theological debate about what this means and who goes. And it's not because it's necessarily false. It's because the thought of it is just pretty scary. You know, when you think about it, it makes sense that we trivialize this so easily because it's so serious. Where we think of heaven as just some blue skied haven where everyone's on their own cloud forever uh, and you sit and learn to play the harp for all of eternity. And that when it comes to hell, there's some kind of cartoon red deviled cave with an excessive amount of fireplaces. Perhaps before you've even thought that heaven kind of sounds a little bit boring and stale, whilst hell is this place where you can party and do all the cool things that Christians told you that you should never do what I would say is that none of this is really what Jesus or the Bible describes in fact I'm going to go further if this is your story that you believe and this is the story that has put you off God in the past this is not the story that Jesus taught I mean firstly here is a really me centered story I mean, it's all about you, and then God plays this little cameo at the end where he makes kind of a big decision based on everything, uh, and then it's back to all being about you. Uh, another problem is that it doesn't seem to be a story that fits with what we looked at last week. Remember, Paul talks about something that we can have confidence in. This story is perhaps a lot of things, but it is not what you can call confident. If you have ever seen the Netflix show, The Good Place, I don't wanna spoil it for you or anything like that, but one of the main themes that runs throughout this whole show is that the idea of what happens now, uh, and if everything you do on your life is scored with a good mark or a bad mark, how that system just doesn't ever really work and doesn't actually seem fair. But the biggest problem with this is that it's not actually what's displayed in God's story with man that we find with the Bible. What we do find in the Bible, in the teachings of Jesus is far more compelling and offers far more confidence and more than anything is true. And we should know this because what Jesus teaches in fact, what Jesus' life is actually referred to over and over again by those who recorded the events of Jesus' life is this good news. Maybe before you've heard that in church, and you see, this phrase, good news, or the euangelion, wasn't just a nice little catchphrase to get some attention. It was good news. Because what Jesus claimed was that the news that he brought was goodness into a situation that was not good. When you compare that, to the storyline that we've made out of a whole bunch of half-truths, then you don't get good news. You get uncertain news. You get deserved news. You get hope for the best kind of news. The good news tells something different. And we see this on page one of the account of Jesus that we have from one of Jesus' followers called Mark. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Okay, good news. Most of us would read that and think heaven. But Jesus, what is the good news? The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It seems that the good news is not something that is going to possibly happen one day. It's something that Jesus is bringing into the world now. The idea of the kingdom of God, or other times he calls it the kingdom of heaven, is not just somewhere that you one day go. It's something that has arrived here in this moment in Jesus. Uh, Let me put it like this. The idea of heaven and earth are ways of describing our space and God's space. Now, we understand our space. We have rivers and trees and washing machines and roads and and people and Tesco's and whatever, things like that. But God's space is understandably harder to grasp. But we're given a whole bunch of images to help us recognize how this space is this perfect place of abundant love of everlasting joy and a splendid leadership glorious creativity where it's going to be in this perfect state god in all majesty all wonder all mystery dwells where kindness patience and gentleness faithfulness goodness and self-control abound where adventure beckons where selflessness exists and selfishness does not where there is no war or cancer or abuse or addiction or hate or racism or corruption or bitterness or resentment or victims or rape or depression Uh, this is what John the writer of this book called Revelation wrote about this space called heaven he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away now what's amazing is that these places these spaces the kingdom of God and heaven and earth are not always separate When we read about them in the Bible, they actually seem to be places that overlap. In fact, in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, uh, before sin entered the world, we find in Genesis that these places were overlaid together. Uh, You could even say that since sin came and ripped these places apart, that the whole story of the Bible is ultimately about God's plan to bring unity to these spaces between heaven and earth again, uh, because they've been driven apart. In other words, the good news, the good news of heaven is not just somewhere that we go. It's something that Jesus brings. In John's account of Jesus's life, John says this. So the word, which was Jesus, became human and made his home among us. Now, this word home is actually kind of a strange one because it really means this word tabernacle, which was this place where God's people would go to, in essence, to meet with God, where heaven and earth would overlap. What John is saying here is that Jesus bringing heaven. Jesus is bringing heaven to earth. And when you read the story of Jesus, he isn't just staying in the nice parts where you'd expect the kingdom of heaven to dwell. He's going into the houses of tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and pagans and Romans. Jesus is bringing the kingdom of heaven where it didn't seem to exist before. When he teaches his disciples to pray, he teaches them to pray that the kingdom of God would come and be on earth as it was in heaven. Jesus is bringing this place of ultimate beauty back into a place it originally was on earth. In fact, when you reach the end of the Bible uh, with this uh, dreamlike depiction of what the future will be in this book called Revelation, uh, there is this beautiful picture of how Eden, this place where heaven and earth overlapped, will one day exist again under this new creation where God's space and human space will overlap fully once more, return to how it was supposed to be before it was ripped apart through human beings like me and you deciding that our way was somehow better than heaven. Now, here's the interesting way to look at this. Uh, Take a look at the very first sentence in the whole Bible with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now notice what it didn't say. It doesn't say that God created heavens and earth and hell. In the beginning, when everything was perfect, heaven and earth were the only two spaces that needed to exist, and it was very good. Whatever hell is, God didn't need to make it at the beginning whatever hell is came later when these two places were ripped apart i mean you can see this in the book that's written by jesus's brother james when he talks about how we use our voices and how whilst we can use our voice for good and how we can almost go without effort straight into speaking evil and gossiping and lying and tearing others down and when we do that james says that it's like our tongue is itself set on fire by hell It's as if hell, like heaven, is not just somewhere that we go, but something that we can unleash. Uh, You see, the earth that we exist in, uh, you can imagine as being this place of two competing worlds, two competing spaces for the human heart, of heaven and of hell. Uh, The story of the Bible is God bringing heaven to earth and getting the hell out of earth and the hell out of you. Hell is the unleashing of the degrading, abusing, twisting, warping and destroying of all that is good. Uh, so when Jesus comes to earth, we see Jesus not threatening with people with hell as much as we see him confronting hell in casting out evil from people, healing brokenness within people, restoring the brokenness between people. Uh, let me put it like this. God hates hell. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you can see something that might go against what you've ever considered about God or hell. That God hates hell more than you. Let me explain it a little bit like this by saying something that I believe everyone watching this right now will believe 100%. There's something that I think we can all agree on. That the sexual exploitation of children for the money is in every possible way evil to its absolute core i mean we dress it up and call it sex trafficking but right now if i was to ask you to put your hands up if you believe that sex trafficking should be removed from this world i would imagine that you would put up your hand in fact some of you right now are watching at home alone and right now your hand is up even though nobody can see you because it would just feel so awkward to keep it down here's the thing who do you think is more serious about that you or a loving heavenly father who made people to be in loving union with their creator as sons and daughters. God hates hell more than you do. And we see this in what Jesus teaches. God just doesn't want to get rid of sex trafficking. God wants to utterly rid the world of lust. God doesn't just want to get rid of school shootings. He wants to rid the world of hatred and of rage. God doesn't want just to rid the world of racism. He wants to get rid of pride. God doesn't want just to get rid of corruption and injustice. He wants to get rid of lies and greed. I mean, imagine if you find something in your body that was slowly growing and killing you. And then you went to the doctors and they said, good news. We can take this harmful growth out of your body. And you said, well, maybe if you could just take out most of it, that would be great. I mean, no, you wouldn't say that. You know when it comes to justice that leaving some evil just doesn't work. God is more serious about getting the hell out of earth than we are. God wants to get the hell out of this world and the hell out of your heart. And that's good news. But what's good news is that God wants to get the hell out of your heart without getting rid of you. That's the good news of Jesus. Jesus who lived a hell-free life, bringing heaven to earth and inviting us into the process, who died and in doing so took the weight of hell from this world and in doing so made a way that heaven and earth could be joined once more. You and God can be joined once more. If you want to know how serious God was about getting rid of the hell inside you, look at what Jesus did on the cross. So what is hell? When you reach the last pages of the Bible, hell is described as this eternal pit where uh, the hell on earth goes, where the devil and all who brings it will never escape or intrude ever again. Why? Because God hates hell. And you hate hell. In fact, when Jesus talks about hell, one of the words he uses is this word, Gehenna, which comes from this place in the south of Jerusalem where they would let the waste and sewage and dead flesh of people that they would throw out all day, night, burn. The bodies of criminals, rotting animals, human waste, it would just constantly smolder and burn. The things that they decided didn't belong in the city. That's what hell is. It's a place outside the perfection of God's city that never belonged. The kingdom of heaven, a place of perfect peace, abundant love, of everlasting joy and a splendid leadership, glorious creativity where to be in it is in to be a perfect state. God in all his majesty, wonder and mystery, where kindness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness and self-control abound, where adventure beckons, where selflessness exists and selfishness does not, where there is no war or cancer or abuse or addiction or hate or racism or corruption or bitterness or resentment or victims or rape or depression. And this is where things get hard, because what happens if we refuse the healing of God who goes the world to get the hell out of you? C.S. Lewis describes it like this, hell is the greatest monument to human choice. If someone refuses the healing that God offers them, then God honours human choice, but he doesn't allow it to eternally ravage his earth, his kingdom, and ultimately his people. And if you want to see how serious Jesus was and how confident you can be, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was with these two criminals, one on his left, one on his right, and we read one of the accounts of Jesus that one of them calls out to him when they were on the cross. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus calls back to this man, a man who did not have time to prove his goodness or had enough goodness to rely on. Jesus replied, I assure you today, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, this can be true for you too. A couple of weeks ago, my friend Josh posted something online after the death of his dad. I rarely post on Facebook, but would like to share something here about my now late dad. He died peacefully this morning after a three month battle with cancer. The manner of his passing was beautiful and I believe God ordained. A friend prayed with him over the phone and he drew his last breath just as he said, Amen. I miss my dad already, but I also rejoice in the knowledge and the hope of heaven, puerile though it may seem. I love to picture him going through Jesus with all his jokes and anecdotes. They were never funny at the time, but have instantly become so in retrospect. Such is the nature of grief, I suppose. Above all, I thank God that the fear of death has been removed, and our Lord Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. God wants to meet with you today. God wants to get the hell out of you and offer you his spirit inviting you to partner with him in bringing heaven to earth. Remember, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. And whilst there is nothing you can do to be good enough, Jesus wants to offer you healing that only he can bring and invite you into a partnership to bring some of heaven to earth. Will you accept him? Let me pray. Father God, I wanna thank you that you went the world in order that you could reunite the world with heaven. That you didn't just leave us to suffer on our own. That you didn't see the hell in the world, but you did something about it. That you moved in order that you could remove the hell from our hearts, remove the hell from earth, and invite us into a partnership that would allow us to live in this eternal city of goodness, where every day is one of beauty where pain and sorrow is no more. And so Lord, we offer our lives to you. We offer ourselves to you. We accept your grace. We follow you, we follow your way and recognize that what we did that contributed to the tearing of heaven and earth in the first place, well, Lord, we need your grace to fix it. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death and for his resurrection. We choose you today. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.